All right. Hey, good morning, Three Circle. How many of you guys are glad that you came to church already? You're like, man, I am glad. At all of our campuses. All of our campuses joining us right now, uh, it's been an incredible day already. We're going to continue the Kudzu series today, and I'm really excited about it because we have a special guest that's a good friend of mine. He's not new to Three Circle. You've heard him before. Uh, Pastor Chris Brown is going to be with us today, and he's going to talk about a subject, another Kudzu vine that he literally is an expert in talking about. Uh, this Kudzu vine is called Greed. Now, Chris uh, and I were in ministry together years and years ago in South Florida, got to do a lot of great stuff together, and and he remains one of my dearest friends in ministry. And you may remember that just last year when he came and spoke for us, they were getting ready to launch their new church, the Well Church, which they planted in Columbia, Tennessee. He's going to tell you a little bit about that. We were one of the partner churches to help them launch. But Chris, for years, worked with the Dave Ramsey organization as one of their national radio hosts. And he dealt with people and their money issues day after day after day. He's got a million stories to tell. So I can't wait for you to hear from him as he talks on this subject today. It's one that we all deal with. He also wrote an incredible book about his own life story, which you also will hear a little bit about. That book is available in the lobby today, and he'd love to meet you. He'll be out there at the Hub. Uh, so we're super excited to have him here today. I think you're going to be so blessed to hear from him. So right now, from all of our campuses and here in Fairhope today, let's welcome to the stage my good friend, Pastor Chris Brown. What's up, Three Circle? How are you? All right, that's good to hear. Glad that everyone's expectant to hear the Word of God today. Man, I'm honored to be here. You guys are like my family down south. Um, you know, very few things would take me away from my new church plant, but you guys, my family, uh, you guys have taken me down, um, uh, down here south. It's supposed to be a six-and-a-half-hour drive, but yesterday took us 11 hours to get here from just south of Nashville. Apparently, we don't have the, we're not the only ones with the plan to go south for fall break. But uh, as you guys remember, I was here last year, about uh, third week of July. It was 19 days before we were to launch a brand new church called The Well. And um, I thanked you guys profusely for uh, being generous and supporting us. And I wanna give you an update of the results of your generosity. Um, we are one year in, about 15, I don't know, 14, 15 months in, and uh, can I tell you that right now we are experiencing nearly 500 people attending each and every weekend. Over 125 students that are meeting every Wednesday night, over 50 salvations, over 30 baptisms. God has been good, and I just want to say thank you for uh, being generous and giving to people that you will never meet into a place that maybe you'll never go. And I said this last year, and I meant it. We want to be you when we grow up. And uh, we do. We're one year closer to our mission to become like Three Circle Church. And just a little bit of a secret. I really want to be like your lead pastor, too. I do. I want to be like him when I, when I grow up. And I've got some proof Years and years ago, he married a beautiful wife that was much smarter than him. So I did too. He then went into having children, and he had two boys and then a little baby girl. So I did too. And then he chose these great ages for these kids with a great separation in between the kids, and I did too. 
His name is Chris Bell, and so I did the best I could. My name is Chris Brown. <laughs> and, uh, well, he was born on August 16th of 1977. This was the, the, the day that Elvis died, and so the old king had died, and the new king was here. <laughs> and I didn't want to rain on his parade, so I was born on August 17th, 1977. Can you believe that? I want to be just like him. And he's an Alabama football fan, and that's where I draw the line. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... Only Chris Bell and only Three Circle Church would ever have a series called Kudzu. Only in Alabama is there a series called Kudzu about this vine that overtakes mountains and overtakes hills. I was explaining this series to one of my friends in California the other day. I was saying, man, there's this series that they're doing at this church in Alabama. And I said, dude, you really should come check it out. There's a lot of things over here in America you've never seen. Some of you guys will get that on Thursday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask right now that you would speak to our hearts in a very powerful way. We're asking for your manifest presence in this room. We're thankful for powerful worship. We're thankful for the worship team and all the time and energy they put into leading us to a place where our hearts are ready to hear your word. I pray that every single person that can hear my voice right now at all locations and online, on YouTube, during the week, whoever's listening in, I pray, God, that you would suck the shame out of the room, the shame off of them. I pray, God, that your conviction would be powerful, but your conviction propels us forward. The enemy's shame tells us to take a step back. We ask for your conviction, and we ask that you would kick out the enemy. We open up our hearts and we ask you to do triage. In Jesus' name, amen. Kudzu, this uh, seemingly harmless weed. Those of you that have been attending every week, the first three weeks of this kudzu series, you know a lot about kudzu now more than you ever have in your life, and you're probably like, I don't need any more facts about kudzu. I'm, I tried to research all the things that Chris Bell hasn't told you yet, but um, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but kudzu has actually gone into 13 different states now. This one little tiny seemingly harmless weed has now infiltrated 13 different states, and it actually is harmful to humans. It actually, when it combines with nitrogen in the air, it's harmful to humans, and because of all the shade and how it overtakes hills and mountains and even homes, it actually blocks the, the, the photosynthesis process and is harmful to plants and vegetation and crops. And so this seemingly harmless weed is actually not so harmless. The same thing goes for our spiritual lives. We have inside of our spiritual lives this spiritual kudzu in our lives. These things in our lives that we allow, they look so innocent, they look so small, but then they grow so rapidly. And next thing you know, we're entangled in them. So far, we've looked at insecurity. Who would raise their hand and say, you struggle with insecurity from time to time? We gotta suck the pride out of the room at all locations. Every hand was up here, I promise. Uh, maybe it's a kudzu, the kudzu of anger. 
Maybe it's the kudzu of unforgiveness. Today, we're gonna talk about the kudzu in our lives, the spiritual kudzu of greed. By definition, greed is an intense and selfish desire to have more. Intense and selfish desire to have more, and it can take over your heart and end up destroying your life. And I know this is not very hope-filled, you're like, well, this is a really negative way to start. I promise we're gonna define a problem and then we're gonna inject some hope before you leave. At whatever location you're at, you're gonna leave here with hope knowing there is a solution to this problem we call greed inside of our human selves. There are five major problems and there's probably more than this. These are the five major problems that we're gonna talk about today when it comes to greed. This little innocent thing of, and here's the deal. I know there's probably nobody here. This is an amazing church. I just told you that. There's nobody here that's greedy. There's nobody here would say the number one descriptor of your life is I'm a greedy person. Raise your hand and you say, I am a greedy person. Okay, there's a few. <laughs> no, we're probably not a greedy person, but we do have seasons of greed. We have decisions if we look back they've got some greed behind the decisions. There, there's a transaction, there's a relationship, there's something in our lives where there's been greed involved and here are some of the major problems with greed. Number one is jealousy. Jealousy goes hand in hand with greed. Why? Because you're in this nonstop comparison game. Always comparing against this and that, this service, this product, this person and there's always gonna be somebody who's better than you, somebody who has more than you. And when you do the comparison game, there's naturally going to be some jealousy. Sure, do you have more than some people? Yeah, but there's always gonna be someone that you don't and there's gonna be jealousy. Whether you're in this room or you're at one of our locations and you're 12 or you're 112, there's always going to be somebody who has more than you. Number two, dishonesty. Dishonesty, if you're a jealous person, there's going to be a time where you're gonna be cheating and stealing to be able to catch up to who you're not caught up to, to get what you want. Number three, shallow relationships, think about it. If you're filled with jealousy, you're filled with dishonesty, what's gonna happen next? You are going to form shallow relationships with anybody who can get you to what you want. And those kind of relationships are always gonna be shallow. Those kind of relationships are never gonna last. You ever been at a social event or a networking event and this person's always looking beside you to see who's more important around you? That drives me crazy. No one in this room would ever do that. No one at our locations would ever do that, but we've all, that's always happened to us. Greedy people will end up, because of the shallow relationships, they'll end up alone and they'll end up miserable because shallow relationships don't last. Number four, a lack of focus. When you're a greedy person, you're always going after opportunity. Oh, there's an opportunity here to the left. There's an opportunity in the middle. Oh, there's an opportunity over here. Oh, there's an opportunity back here. You're always going from opportunity to opportunity. So therefore, there's no focus for that God-given mission and calling that you've been called to. You don't have this focus that you need to be able to pursue something of worth. You always have a lack of focus. And number five, 
dissatisfaction. You put all four of those things together, you're ultimately going to have dissatisfaction. Why? Because you're always going for more, and that word more is not attainable. You can't reach it. When you hit the bullseye of more, guess what? More changes. More moves. And now it's a new bullseye. And now it's a new bullseye. And you will live your life dissatisfied. Some of you, I am reading your mail, and that is exactly where you're at right now. Chris, how did you know? Because I'm also a human. Right? We're all wired this way. It's crazy. And so we've got to be armed with the word of God so that we know how to fight this plague of greed. I researched not only the word of God and dove into all the things there is about greed and the script. We're very, very resourced in the Bible about how to combat greed, but also I was curious about the psychology. I was curious about the, the mind and how it works when it comes to greed. What is it in us that always wants more? And there was study after study after study about this, but I don't have time to share them all, but there was one that really stood out to me. And this is your level of greed increases with the amount of wealth that you have. It doesn't decrease, it increases, which was against what I thought. I did not think that at all. They did this one study with cars. And I don't really have time to break it all down, but the quick version is they did a study, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people trying to cross a crosswalk. And they watched, with a, with a hidden camera, they watched different levels of cars, five different levels of cars, probably going somewhere from like $2,000 all the way up to $150,000 cars. And they put them all in five categories to see who would stop for the pedestrian. Can I tell you this? The least expensive car, not one of them continued to go. They all stopped for the pedestrian. And those with the most expensive car, 50% never stopped for a human for them to walk across the crosswalk. Crazy. Here's a quote by the same researcher. He says, as a person's level of wealth increases, their feelings of compassion and empathy go downward. And their feelings of entitlement, of deservingness, and the ideology of self-interest increase. <gasps> You're like, thank God I'm not wealthy. Let's pull up to international standards just so that we're all in the same loving, uh, playing field. If you make over $14,000 a year, you're in the top 11% of the world's wealth. If you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealth. You're wealthy. You're in the 1% club. You're a one percenter. We're all wealthy, and we have to be aware this is in our human condition. That the more money we get, the more entitled we become. A huge problem because this is the exact opposite of the way God's kingdom works. Check this out. God designed us to enjoy people and to use things. But we live in a society that uses people and enjoys things. There are 2,350 verses in the scripture that deal with money, wealth, and possessions. It's the number one topic written about in the entire Bible by a landslide. I wonder why. I don't wanna be arrogant to say that I know what God is thinking, but an assumption could be he knew that we were gonna struggle with this. He knew that money was going to trip us up, that power and influence was gonna, gonna trip us up. 
He knew greed was going to be a temptation. And so there's 2,350 verses. We don't have time to get to all of them, but we are going to try to get to 2,000 of them. (laughs) Uh, My story when it comes to this topic of greed is um, a really good way for us to illustrate what this can do. Maybe a really good-hearted person going after God, doing all the right things, and next thing you know, you're entangled in a web of kudzu and the kudzu of greed. I grew up completely uh, impoverished. I, was, I grew up uh, sleeping underneath bridges and sleeping underneath piers and going from abuse shelter to abuse shelter and getting evicted from this and evicted from that, narcotics and violence. That's how I grew up. And so growing up, I was like, there's no way in the world when I grow up, when I have a family, there's no way it's gonna go down like that. There's no way I'm gonna do that. I don't know who's at fault, but it's not gonna happen to my family. I went through middle school, went through high school, have no idea how, but by the grace of God. In middle school and high school, I tried my very best to not be able to not go home. I mean, who would want to go home if there even was a home at the time? And so I drowned myself in sports, football, baseball, basketball, fall, winter, spring, whatever I could do to not go home. Whatever I could do to have a coach go, that a boy. To have a coach, a coach go, man, I'm proud of you. Uh, have, just have the acceptance of a father figure in my life. And so, because I outworked everybody, and I was the first one to practice, last one to leave, this below average athlete became pretty good. And I got a college scholarship to play baseball to a Christian school. I didn't know what Christian meant. I just knew for $50,000, I will love Jesus all day long. So I went to college. Next thing you know, I accept Jesus as my savior. I meet my wife. We, get, uh, we, we graduate. We get married. And I'm like, oh, this is so easy. This is, not, this is how it works. We started our adult life, and we, put, we were living way below our means, and so we were putting money away, which means we're like a 22-year-old unicorn. But we were like putting money away, living below our means. And next thing you know, we've got some money in the account. We're like, oh, let's use the cash and let's buy a house and let's flip it and sell it for more. So we did. And we made $30,000 in extra money in three months. And we're like, ooh, I like the way that feels. And so we did it again. And we flipped another house and we flipped another house and we flipped another house. And we're like, oh, this is so easy. And then one day, I, not my Proverbs 31 wife, but me all by myself, I'm like, why would you want to flip one house at a time? When you can flip eight, why would, why would you want to make $30,000 a time when you can make 240? Hello? So I walked into a mortgage office, and I borrowed a million dollars. The year? 2007. Yes, right before the recession. If you're 12, Google it. <laughs> Right during the, I couldn't sell the homes, I couldn't rent them, and here I was, $10,000 a month, every month, for 36 months, on vacant homes, until January of 2011, I walked into a filled courtroom, I explained my story to the trustee, looked her square in the eye, and because I live in the South, do you want to know what she said? 
bless your heart. Which is code for you're an idiot. So you're looking at a guy who filed bankruptcy. A guy that was trying to pursue Jesus, was trying with everything he could not to be like his parents, to make sure that I was being a godly husband, a godly father, and here I was, I got caught up, I got entangled in the kudzu of greed. Well, isn't this encouraging? All right, we're gonna turn the page, and we're gonna go to the solution. What did I learn during that time? Man, you guys ask amazing questions. I learned that God actually knows what he's doing when it comes to finances. I found out there's a God's way to handling finances. This is what I found out about the 2,350 verses about money, wealth, and possessions. This is when I found out there's a thing called budgeting. There's a thing about saving. There's this thing about avoiding debt, investing. I learned all these things about generosity. That's great. But the number one thing that I want us to take away today, if you want to combat greed, is the C word. Contentment. Contentment. We need to have contentment in our life. Man, America in general needs contentment in its life. Here's what I found the hard way. First Timothy chapter six, verses six through eight. And my prayer is that today I can prevent you from learning the hard way. Before you get entangled in the kudzu of greed, I can help you today. And more importantly, First Timothy chapter six can help you today, which more importantly, the word of God can help you today. It says, but godliness with contentment. Everyone say, with contentment. That's the key. With contentment is great gain. This is in contrast to verse five when he talks about those that were making, uh, they were trying to be godly for financial gain, not with contentment. So in verse six, he says, no, with contentment is where great gain is. Man, underline that, circle it. With contentment is the key. That's the linchpin. For the, verse seven, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content. There's that word again. Now, if you break down that original language of that word content, this is, this is awesome. I love this. A self-sufficient satisfaction, completely independent from external circumstances. It's this internal contentment, this internal sac- uh, satisfaction inside of us. Now, a little bit of context for you. The Apostle Paul is a seasoned veteran in ministry. He's writing this letter to a much younger Thomas, or Thomas, Timothy, who he was mentoring. And Timothy was in uh, Ephesus, this large city with wealth and with with influence and uh, had all this power. And in Ephesus back then and for us today, there was this being inundated with You guys know it. You've seen it. It's like something like 2,000 ads a week that you see. And this is commercials. This is advertisements. This is billboards. This is magazine ads. This is uh, those those boxes that pop up on websites. We are just inundated with all of these advertisements. And if we're not careful, we can buy into this quest for fulfillment with every single product and every single service that comes by. And next thing you know, we're entangled. So the question is, what is contentment? Okay, Chris, that's the solution. But many of you right now, you may hear that word and you may automatically think contentment and you just think automatically that's lack of ambition. 
Oh, I'm content. That's a lack of work ethic. Uh, that's apathy. Uh, that's uh, just, just some kind of lack of ambition. That's not what contentment is. Here's what contentment is. Maybe this is for your margin on your bulletin. Contentment is a condition of the mind and a condition of the heart while you're moving forward. You're moving forward not for the quest of more. You're, working, you're moving forward for you to be a good steward of what God's put inside you, the experiences inside of you, the, the gifts that he's put inside of you, the opportunities he's put around you. And you're moving forward just out of a management standpoint of managing what God's given you, not for a quest for more. So it's not about no ambition. It's just no reckless or selfish or intense ambition that takes you further away from God. So three ways to cultivate more contentment in our lives. Number one, trust God completely. Completely is the key word. You may say, oh, I can trust God. I got that one. What's number two, Chris? What about completely? Trusting God completely. Check out Hebrews 13, five. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be, there's your content word again, be content with what you have because why? Because God has said, you can trust me. God has says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, I I'm trustworthy. So I told you earlier about my embarrassing uh, bankruptcy story. And now I wanna tell you the other side of it. It's not 2011 anymore. It's 2022. Things look differently in the brown house now. Back then, my bankruptcy story, I was pursuing greed, 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 greed. I gotta have more, gotta have more. I gotta flip these homes because then I can get another house and I can flip that home and I can get another house. And it was all fueled by greed. I wanna tell you about my last housing situation. Five years ago, I moved to this little town called Columbia, Tennessee. And we downsized tremendously, half the square footage, and we simplified our life, and we downsized our entire lifestyle. We bought a dilapidated, abandoned 200-year-old farm. A farm sounds super luxurious, but this was way out of town, way far from the beaten path. Now, since then, it's not anymore, but back then, it was a super, super downsizing type purchase. We did that so that we would have more margins, so therefore we can, more, we, can, we can minister more often. With this farm, this dilapidated, messed up farm, we were like, man, one day at the speed of cash, we're gonna, we're gonna fix up these cabins and we're gonna minister to people. We're gonna throw um, citywide events at our farm. We're gonna have single moms stay in our cabins that, that can't afford a place to live. Uh, maybe a mom is being abused and we're gonna take them out of that abuse situation. We're gonna bring over uh, special needs children for horse therapy. We had all these dreams. Way down the road, well, immediately this started to happen. Immediately we, we, we started having citywide events at our, our farm. Immediately God started bringing the cash. We started fixing up the cabins. And I'm here to tell you today, that those cabins bring in five times my mortgage payment. And right now, that farm is worth three times what I bought it for three years or five years ago. I'm telling you that for this reason. I tried it this way. Greed, greed, greed. And then Matthew 6.33 says, seek me first and hit my righteousness and then these things will be added unto you. I saw it with my own eyes. It was the first time that I really felt like financially, I said, I trust you completely. Oh, I've trusted you before, but I trust you 
completely. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it at the speed of cash. Number two, remember this life is temporary. Remember this life is temporary. James says in James 4.14 that this life is but a vapor. Another translation says this life is a mist. Another translation says that this life is like the morning fog, which is the one that I love the most. I can really relate to that morning fog in the morning and how it goes away in just an hour or two, that this is just a life of a vapor. And so being eternally minded is really important as a serious Christ follower. The best way I know how to illustrate the silliness of us being over um, consumed with this life here on earth is I have a microphone in my hand. This microphone is um, under a foot long. And uh, all locations, I've got this, let's just say that this microphone is not wireless, it's wired. And the wire coming out of this microphone comes from stage out into the auditorium and goes all the way up and down all the rows. All the way up and down the rows, goes out the auditorium, goes to your car in the parking lot, then goes to your home. Then this wire goes past your home and goes to your childhood home. You got this really, really long cord for a microphone. And many of us are spending the majority of our time focusing on our earthly life, which is the microphone. And you've got all of eternity. We're gonna be thinking about all of eternity. This is just a blip on the radar. It's actually not a very good illustration because eternity is so much longer. How much time and energy, intense desire for more Selfish desire for more are you putting into this life and not remembering that life is temporary. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So while we can't take it with us, I've done a many, many funerals, and to this day, I have never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I've never seen it. I've never seen somebody lower a pod into the ground. We can't take it with us, but what this verse is telling us is that we can take it with us. So Chris, is it okay for me to buy nice things? Because some of you are like, I just bought something really nice yesterday. This is crazy. How'd you know? I just signed up for this amazing service yesterday. And the question is not the right question. You see, the problem is not consumption. The problem is compulsive consumption. The problem comes if which neighborhood you live in comes, becomes, uh, is more important than the actual neighbors. The problem comes when we stretch beyond and we buy things we can't afford, and that debt suffocates us so that we can't keep being generous to people who we're called to be generous to. There's likely a problem when we see a need and feel called to help that person, but we can't help them because of all the things that we had to have. And there's a risk to a message like this. There is, because at a message like this, there's always a few personalities at every church 
that have to be the greed police. They have to be the greed patrol. Oh, just bought that car, did we? Just moved to that neighborhood, did we? Right? And here's the deal. We don't know the situations. We don't know the variables. You very well could have meticulously saved for whatever that purchase is. You could have inherited it. God could have blessed you with favor and said, I want you to have it. Let's all just focus on ourselves. Let's not be judgmental. Let's not say this, this. We have enough to deal with with ourselves. How do you know if you have a problem? Here's a couple ways you can know you have a problem. Do you feel an abnormal surge of adrenaline when you go shopping? Now, do you feel this abnormal surge of dopamine whenever the new iPhone drops? This is getting real. If you faithfully watch Fixer Upper, and every single night when it stops, you look around and you're like, man, we live in a dump. Right? If you've got more shiplap than drywall, you've got a problem. <laughs> if you've named your pets Chip and Joanne, you've got a problem, and you need counseling. These are just a few ways that you know you have a problem. I never knew this. I never knew there'd be a day where I quoted Jim Carrey in a message. But we're gonna quote Jim Carrey. He says this, I wish everyone could become rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Luke 12, 15 says, then he said to them, this is Jesus, watch out, exclamation point. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That is not where life where life is. Life is so much deeper than what we possess. Number three, be grateful for what you have. Gratitude is the antidote for greed. Instead of dwelling on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. And the way that gratitude is expressed is through generosity. You see, when you're grateful for what you've got, it just naturally makes you wanna give. When you're truly grateful for what you got, it makes you want to give. And when you give, when you're grateful and when you give, you give a smile, you give a hug, you give someone attention, you give someone time, you give someone your influence, you give someone money. Every time that you give and you're generous, what you're doing is you're spraying greed repellent all over you. You're spraying kudzu repellent all over you. You're not gonna get entangled in greed because you're living like this. It's very hard to grab every product and service when you're living like that. Open-handed instead of grabbing, grabbing, and grabbing. I remember when Holly and I were first married, and this is before we started flipping and started making some good money, before we didn't make money. <laughs> but we were newlyweds and enjoying newlywed life and everything that comes with that, you know what I'm saying? So, and I have a teenage brother, and we were newlyweds, and we asked our uh, we asked our, my, 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 I think he's 14, 15 at the time, asked him to live with us in like a 600 square foot cinder block basement that we were paying 275 a month for. And every time that we stepped over him and we were inconvenienced by him or he came in at a weird hour or he didn't clean his room or he trashed the sink or whatever he did, every single time we did that, 
we realized, man, that generosity, that gratitude is keeping us from being greedy. You don't have to be rich. You may say, man, I, I, I'm not rich. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be generous one day. No, you can do it now in small ways. You can wish a happy birthday to a neighbor. Things I said earlier, you can, you can just smile. One way we can all be super generous is just to give people attention. To actually look someone in the eye without a phone in your hand and have interaction. Isn't this awkward? This is like eye contact for longer than 10 seconds. This is crazy. Imagine if we were just generous with our eyes and we actually saw each other. We said, man, you matter. There's lots of different ways that we can be generous. And generosity is the way that we express gratitude, the gratitude that we sang about earlier. Before we even talked today, before we even went there, many of you didn't know this, but you already knew a contentment verse in the Bible. You're like, Chris, there's no way. I'm not good at memorizing. I don't know the Bible. I've only been in church. This is my first day in church. There's no way. Psalm 23.1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a contentment verse. Don't forget the first part of that. If you truly wanna live a content life, he's gotta be all you need. It's gotta be, man, he is my shepherd. He's who I lean on. I trust him completely. I understand this life is temporary. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now with hearts filled with gratitude. God, I could feel it in the room earlier. I know I could feel it at all locations. What you're doing in our hearts when it comes to gratitude, you are clearly blessing this region. You're clearly blessing this church. And our hearts are filled with gratitude. God, we admit that entitlement and greed and pride and selfishness can all creep into our souls so, so easily and grow as fast as kudzu. We pray, God, that you continue to remind us to be content in you. Not a lack of ambition, not a lack of drive, just a condition of our heart that's settled in you, trusting you to provide. God, we work as though it all depends on us while knowing and praying that it all depends on you. In Jesus' name, amen.